yes, it's a new year and a new slate for everybody. And my resolution, nothing but winners in 2024. Yes, I mean it. That should be easy enough. What a great stretch of football we have coming up. Week 18, the final week of the regular season, playoff implications, division titles, and there's also a Jets-Patriots game for people who enjoy torture. Our good pal, brother Bryce Acoli, is going to be joining me to break it all down. And if that wasn't enough, on Monday night in Houston, the College Football National Championship, University of Michigan takes on the University of Washington, a Big Ten powerhouse versus a future Big Ten powerhouse. We're going to talk to another pal, former Huskies tight end, comedian Joel McHale joins us from the set of his show, Animal Control, to talk about the game and NFL refs. For once, I'm going to take your side. This might be the only time, so stick around. But before any of that, let's recap the big NFL headlines in a segment that was just named a Pro Bowl alternate. It's Cover 4! Cover 1! All right, it's time to let the black and gold confetti fly because regardless of the outcome this weekend, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin has now secured 17 consecutive seasons without a losing record. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, babyface Joel Solomon and the rest of you diehard Yinzers. But the way the media talks about it, they're going to be raising a banner in Akershire Stadium for this accomplishment. And I, for one, am not Akershire they should. I hate to rain on this 9-7 and seven parade, but this is beginning to feel like celebrating 17 straight years of not catching whooping cough. Don't get me wrong, it's impressive to go so long without a losing record, but the last six of those 17 above-par seasons came without a playoff win, and this year, the Steelers went, what, a dozen weeks before they actually outgained an opponent, so there was a lot of luck involved along the way. Besides, I'd prefer to celebrate what I feel are some of the other more impressive streaks Mike Tomlin has kept intact. For instance, 42 straight times Mike Tomlin has selected Renegade as his karaoke song, earning applause each time. 10 straight visits to Promanti Brothers without vomiting. Pretty impressive. Also, 15 straight seasons of someone in an airport confusing him with Omar Epps. So congratulations again, Coach Tomlin, on another non-losing season and for all those other streaks as well. I look forward to 18 years and for your starring appearance in Higher Learning 2. Coming two. Yes, it's been a strange year for pigskin personalities. Greats like Big Dom and Tommy DeVito's agent made headlines. And then the other day, Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper came along and said, hold my beer. Actually, wait, forget holding it. I'll throw it instead. Here it is. And if you bet David Tepper as the first owner to angrily toss a drink on a fan this season, congrats, you are a winner. FanDuel had him at 10-1, to 1, just ahead of Bears owner Virginia Hallis McCaskey. And let's look at that form again, can we? We just catch the end of it because it's a quick tape, arm going forward, and drench. It's going to be hard for Tepper to improve that perfect rating on his drink-throwing chart. Honestly, the saddest part is he may have better accuracy than quarterback Bryce Young. And Tepper apologized after getting fined about 35 cents. But who knows what was going through this guy's head in the first place. Maybe he figured since the Panthers head coaches haven't had any celebratory Gatorade dumps this season, he'd perform one himself. Or perhaps this is a benevolent gesture and he's taken fan interaction to the next level. Decided to give out free drinks. Let's recap, though. His team is 2-14. He secured the number one pick in the draft, which he traded to the Bears last year, plus the fact that he's already fired his coach, so David Tepper basically has run out of things to do. I'm going to suggest he abandon the alcohol heaves, hang back, and wait until his team is relegated to the Pac-12. 
All right, I want to congratulate everyone who won a fantasy championship this season, along with yours truly, for placing fourth in one of 17 leagues I belong to. Thank you, thank you. It's a huge year. Final tally for me, minus $6,300 in fantasy fees, and I only gave up 8% of my life figuring out how to be such a waiver wire wimp. But there are plenty of winners out there, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but the recent trend is for fantasy players to thank the actual players for winning them money by donating to a charity of their choice. Kyron Williams, Najee Harris, Devontae Adams all appreciated the reciprocal love this past Giving Sunday, and it got me thinking, I would like to get in on this generosity as well. On the receiving side, of course. So at the end of the show, I'm going to give out my Venmo info, and I'd appreciate a direct donation if you were so lucky to collect on my Joey Chestnut to win the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest prediction last July. And you know what I'll do? I'll turn that money around donating to Joey Chestnut's charity, the Mayo and Mustard Clinic. Number four. All right, speaking of fantasy teams, mine were ruined by a lot of players, and you know, some of them not even named Travis Kelsey. The soon-to-be Hall of Fame Chiefs tight end has underperformed this season, to say the least. And looking at his stats, he hasn't had 100 receiving yards in a game since a week before he and girlfriend Taylor Swift became the hottest Halloween costume of 2023. And, you know, I blame a lot of people for this pick, namely myself for saying, you know what, I've never taken a tight end in the first round. Let's give it a whirl. But you know who I'm not going to blame? The aforementioned Taylor Swift. I'm not going to do it. People call her Yoko for breaking up the Chiefs, and I don't think that's fair. First of all, have you heard Yoko sing? If not, here's a little sampling. Forget about the Beatles. She almost broke up the sound barrier. But the point is, I didn't praise Taylor Swift when Kelsey scored, and I didn't bet on him to put up big numbers because she was going to be eating chicken nuggets 100 yards away in the sky. That wouldn't make any sense at all, and it makes even less sense to blame her for Kelsey's recent shortcomings. I refuse to point the finger at her when her boyfriend inexplicably can't get open for hours on end. And here's some other chief-related things I'm not blaming Tay-Tay for. Eric Bieniemy quitting and going to the Commanders. Not her fault. Wide receiver Kadarius Toney catching a pass like a scared little child bird. Those drops weren't caused by a spell initiated by T-Swizzle, that I can tell you, and How about Brittany Mahomes not knowing how to dance? Nope, I am not blaming her. Okay, maybe she gets partial blame for that. But still, as bad as that is, it's not this. Yucko. All right, that does it for cover four. Now it's time for my irrationally angry attempt to make rational sense of a somewhat irrational bet. It's Wager Razor. All right, the big news from week 17 was my Cowboys benefiting from a huge controversial win against the Detroit Lions and putting themselves in a position to win the NFC East title. No applause this time, Joel? Ugh, whatever. I know I don't have to recap, but I will. The boys were up a point very late in the game. Detroit and coach Dan Campbell scored and went for the two-point conversion. They sent the linemen to be eligible, but the refs deemed the wrong linemen eligible, and so the two-point catch by the lineman who was supposed to be eligible didn't count. And I'm here to tell you, the refs screwed up, and my Cowboys were very lucky to win. There, I said it. Everyone happy? 
Now, I'd love to move on, but we have another 90 seconds before we get to go to commercial. So let me spend that time explaining to Detroit fans and Cowboys haters alike how the Lions mishandled this. And I'm not going to get into the whole, was this guy lined up wrong or who communicated correctly? I'm going to make it simple. The Lions and Dan Campbell screwed up because they gave the referees too much to do. These same officials who we spend hours by water coolers complaining how they botched a pass interference call or a holding call or a false start call or couldn't get out of the way and forced an MVP to take a safety. Those same guys should not also be tasked to figure out which muttering 350-pound lineman is declaring himself eligible eight seconds before the ball is snapped. Oh, and here's the best part. Dan Campbell saying, yeah, we discussed this eligibility stuff with the officials before the game. Remember I told you this morning that with a few seconds left in the game, number 68 might declare as an eligible receiver? Oh yeah, Dan, now I remember. It was somewhere between your boring story about how leg day fluctuates between Wednesdays and Thursdays and you telling me to be sure to say hello to Agnes and the kids. The point is, the refs have enough to worry about and enough to screw up. Let's not unnecessarily add confusing, nuanced schemes to their plate before and during games. You wouldn't give your Uber driver a Sudoku puzzle to finish while he's racing you to the airport, would you? So let's afford the referees the same consideration. Otherwise, we might as well be communicating with actual zebras. All right, that's the rager. Here's the wager. This week, I'm letting it ride on the Lions to flex their muscles and kneecaps and for everyone to speak to the refs in an eloquent and timely fashion in the regular series finale, Detroit scores over 23 and a half points versus the Vikings, restore the roar, and also restore some of those points that thankfully didn't count last week. All right, coming up, we've got Joel McHale. Would he take on Ken Jeong as his actual doctor if it meant his Washington Huskies would win a national championship? We're going to find out. Before that, though, when we return, Brother Bry tries to kick off the year with some Week 18 winners. We break down all the regular season finales next on Cousin Sal's winning season. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's winning weekend. We have TV's favorite son, Joel McHale, coming up. But joining me in the handicapping hot seat from the Against All Odds podcast in 2023, this guy bet more money on women's volleyball, including his daughter's tournaments, than any other American out there. Brother Bry Sicoli is here. What's happening, Bry? What's going on, buddy? That that sounds uh, very accurate. Very <laughs> well, accurate. I checked. I wouldn't say I would. I wouldn't just come on here and fib. That is actually accurate. It's a real, real statistic. Bry, I think I kicked three games to the side here, and we're gonna knock out the other fourteen pro battles plus the national championship. So let's start it off. Saturday football. First of all, I love this. I love Saturday football. I'm into it. Two Saturday, six one p.m. Sunday, seven four p.m. Sunday. Do you like that? arrangement or is that just me that's yeah nuts about i do i think the nfl did a good job right breaking it up the way they did with the one o'clocks the four o'clocks they made every game is pretty much important right the yes. way, the, well, the way well, they did it the way they did it. <laughs> every game in the grand scheme of things is, is not important at all but right we certainly right. make it so let's start with steelers and ravens one of the more important games of the week steelers giving four 35 and a half is the over under at Baltimore. Now, the reason Steelers are favored by so much is the Ravens are start, sitting everyone, I should say. Lamar, the MVP, is out. Flowers is out. All the running backs are gone. I think Likely is out. So the Steelers need to win. If they win and the Jaguars or Bills lose, they are in the playoffs. I got that right, right? Is that right? Jaguars or Bills. I think that's yeah. what it is. Okay. Yeah. 
So I think this is going to be a nutty weekend, but I don't think it starts with this first game. Pitt lucks out again. They play the Ravens. I feel like four of the last six times they've played the Ravens, they've been without Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley is in for Baltimore, and I'm sure other starters, like I said, will sit. Uh, I should probably just do my patented opponent first half, Steelers to win the game. If you like that, 7-1 odds, that's hit five times this year. But I'm going to take the Steelers instead to win by 1 and 13 points. Brian, you get a plus number for this, plus 120. I think Rudolph minimizes mistakes out there, and the running game is all of a sudden strong with Harris and Warren. Must win game, Ravens don't care, but I think they win between 1 and 13. Again, plus money, 24-16. Steelers keep things interesting for the weekend. What do you got? Yeah, I like that. So, you know, I went back and forth on this game, but we know we know this game is usually super close and low scoring, but I still have to go with the Steelers minus four, even though Huntley has shown to be a good backup. You know, the Ravens are just missing too many stars in this one. Right. And like you said, the Steelers still have a shot at the playoffs. And we actually saw a competent offense right the last two weeks with Mason Rudolph. So I think this isn't one of my best plays this week, but I still think the Steelers come out. I think it's still rather close, but they cover the four. I'm going to say 23 to 17. So. The only thing that worries me about this, and I have this with a couple other games down the slate, is I haven't heard anybody who likes the Ravens plus the points, right? I mean, why would you? But when it comes to, like, Friday morning and you don't know, I mean, I go outside my house and I scream, please, anybody like the I get no response. <laughs> so that's what scares me a little because they don't uh, typically give away free money. All right, the nightcap right there. This one I thought could be a Sunday night game. But it's Indianapolis home for Houston. Winner is in. That's why I thought it was the most important. It is still an AFC South matchup. That's why NBC said, screw that. We'll push that to Saturday night. Uh, this was a tic-tac line. A lot of them. One and a half points. And what happens often with the tic-tac line is whoever opens as the favorite is now the underdog. And that's what we have right here. The Colts now are underdog at home. But I am taking them still plus the point and a half. They are 8-3 and three against the spread. Last 11 for, versus the Texans for what that matters. And if you want something more recent, Houston 2-5 and five against the numbers. A one-point favorite or more. Houston tough against the run. Third in the league. But not against Jonathan Taylor. He's never lost to Houston in five tries and averages about 125 yards per game versus them. Stroud's in a big spot. I think he's offensive rookie of the year. I've doubted the Colts all year. Way too late probably to jump on their bandwagon. But I think Matt Gay nails one with no time left. 24-21. Colts make the playoffs. Kill all my futures. I talked about that on Against All Odds. You're going the other way, Brian. Yeah, I'm taking Houston minus one and a half. Yeah, like you said, Tic Tac game. Is this the orange Tic Tac cell? That's the only good one. That's oh, the yeah. only good one. I, I yeah, think. you're right. Yeah, but there's I, no better ones. Yeah. Look, I tend to lean toward the slight favorite on the road in these games. And this is a crazy stat, but the Texans have won seven straight road games against the AFC South. That's pretty pretty impressive. And I know this Texans team is young, but I trust Stroud in these big games. I think he could have a big performance, especially indoors here. And the te Texans are healthy enough on offense right now to give the Colts problems. And they've been pretty good at getting pressure on defense. I just get a sense that Minshew will have a bad turnover at some point in mm. this game. Houston wins a close one, though, here, so. All right. And now I'm stuck on the Tic Tac thing. And we have my friend Brad here. It's never in studio. Brad, what is the best flavor Tic Tac? Just yell it out. Orange. Orange. Wow. All right. <laughs> you got an endorsement there, Brian. Nice. He's Mr. Orange. Orange soda, orange everything, orange hair. All right. You know, Stroud is minus 850 to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Puka Nakua, plus 450. He's the only Ram starter, I think, playing because not for the Offensive Rookie of the Year award, but 
in an effort to break the rookie record, which is insane for receiving yards. He's plus 450. He has Carson Wentz throwing to him. Is there anything in your mind, Bri, he could do to wrestle this away from Stroud? No, I don't. He might break the record. I don't think they're going to keep him in there long enough to get like 200 yards in that game. Uh, I think it's it's Stroud's to lose here. I mean, he's been so impressive. And and quarterback, this favors the quarterback big time. All right, good. It'd be nice to win one future bet uh, that I made out of the 300. All right, New Orleans Saints, three-point favorite, 42-and-a-half is the over-under against Atlanta. Saints need to win and Tampa Bay to lose to secure the South. Atlanta needs to beat New Orleans and Tampa Bay to lose to win the South. I have New Orleans for the division. This is one of the many futures I mentioned. And so what I think will happen is they're going to roll in this game, but it's not going to matter because Tampa Bay is barely going to win. I'm going to take the Saints minus three points here. Taylor Heineke completed 10 of 29 last week for 163, a touchdown, three picks against the Bears. Meanwhile, Saints played great, great defense versus Tampa Bay. They almost didn't score until the middle of the fourth quarter. They didn't actually. I don't expect a repeat performance, but ultimately they are better than Atlanta, who is two and six on the road. Two coaches who could be gone on Monday. Give me Dennis Allen and Derek Carr to get it done, baby. New Orleans minus three, 27-19. Yeah, I'm taking New Orleans too, Sal. And look, I'll be honest, I've struggled with the Saints game all year. Look, Carr played it played well last week, which means he probably won't necessarily this week, but I but I still have to back them. I don't trust anything the Falcons do. I don't trust this coach. I'm not sure what their game plan is week to week. They are better offensively with Heineke in there, but he's he's even a little banged up, right? He's had an ankle problem. They, they've lost three of four. They're two and five against the spread on the road. And th- this, this Saints crowd should be great. I think this is rather low scoring and close, but Carr makes a big play late in this game, puts them up double digits here, and the Saints cover the three. Brian, as bad as he's been, we went over this. I have one future with Carr over 21 and a half touchdown passes. He has 21, right? Is that what it was? It was 21 and a half. Right on And he that missed number. the game, so he's kind of like, kind of where, in our mind, he's worse, or at least in my mind, he's worse than he's been. But he's kind of right where everybody expects This is where he is. He, this is where he is. Mr. Inconsistent, right? He'll have a great game, then, you mm-hmm. know, a couple turnovers or make a bad throw late. But What can I do? I can't do anything to hedge, right? I have the Saints yep. to win the division, but I need two <laughs> outcomes. So, anyway, all right. The other South, the other miserable South. Jacksonville, three-and-a-half-point favorite over Tennessee. This was five-and-a-half. We were talking on Against the Odds the other day about how two years ago, this week, the last week of the season, the Colts and Carson Wentz went into Jacksonville. They were almost a two-touchdown favorite, and they blew it. It was probably the biggest final week season finale collapse in football in the last two decades. Now a similar but not as drastic situation. This time Tennessee is home for the Jags looking to wrap up the division. Jacksonville is. Spread is three and a half. I loved it at five and a half. I still like it. I'm taking the Titans to spoil the party here. Plus three and a half. One last hurrah for Tannehill, Henry, and likely Vrabel. Tennessee 13 sacks, Bryce, since week 14. That's the third most. Uh, And now Lawrence returns to this hellish pass rush I see password. It's not that hard. People could say password. You got it. See, you got I it. did it. Tennessee has led in the fourth quarter in five of its last six games, Bry. I think they win 24-13. I don't even think it's close. I love this pick. Yeah, I like Tennessee too here. And look, some of these games so easy to go the other way, right? But you, you just can't bet favorites all day. Vrabel at home getting three and a half. But like you said, love the five and a half. And look, I don't know if he's going to get fired. And he, but he probably certainly should based on the way they ended last season, the way they finished down the stretch here. But he needs a win. They they play really close games at home. And this Jacksonville team, just Jekyll and Hyde, week to week. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take the points. 
And we should also take some Hopkins receiving props in this game, right, Sal? Oh, yes, right. I mean, there's a whole page. Uh, I'll probably print it, put it on X somewhere um, of these, what we call incentive props, where guys can make up, up to $2 million for yep. 40 more yards or something. Yep. It's pretty good. So watch that. I'm sure FanDuel's all over the number. I'm hoping they're not paying attention. Uh, Brian, I want to read you something. Titans at home beat the Chargers. They crushed the Bengals. They lost a one-score game to the Ravens. They beat the Falcons and Panthers. They lost by a field goal to Houston and Indy in overtime. And then Seattle by three. Everything's close or a Everything's win. close. So yep. I don't even know. I really think it should be smaller than three and a half or three, but five and a half was just insane. All right, one more South. Let's get out of the South. Tampa Bay, four and a half, 36 and a half at Carolina. They need to win the Bucks do to take the NFC South. Um, they only have to beat the worst team in football in Carolina to do it. Uh, but it's in Carolina. That's where the Panthers have both their wins. I'm doing something stupid here. I'm teasing Tampa Bay and the over. So I'm going through the zero. Raheem Palmer, I'm sorry. I hope you never hear this. Plus one and a half and over 31 and a half. The Bucks have the sixth best rush defense, which means Bryce Young is going to have to do it through the air. Not pretty. Baker can, can't be as bad as he was last week. Again, I have the Saints to win this division, so I'm prepared to lose in excruciating fashion. Mayfield to Evans, under a minute left. Does that sound right, Brian? 23-19 final. I'm teasing the Bucks in the over. Uh, I'll take it because I'm taking the, the Panthers plus four and a half here. Okay. And look, this is another one of those games, right? Seems too easy to take the Bucks money line, but I don't know. Both, both teams awful last week. I mean, the Panthers in general have been awful, but they at least have shown the ability to play tough, close games at home. Both of the last two home games have been close. Bryce Young was dreadful last week. I know what not, a lot of it's not his fault, but he has to end the year on a strong note. And Sal, you brought it up before with the, the Jaguars versus Colts. Mm -hmm. This has all the makings of that game. If you look back to that, Trevor Lawrence's rookie season, they were 2-14. Yeah. and 14. Same exact record right. going into week 18. Big underdog at home, and they blew out the Colts here. So I think you could see something similar. Now, I don't think they blow them out, but I certainly think they could keep this close. So I, I will take the four and a half points. All right. That's a fun one. All right. The Patriots are home. I mean, there's another one. Again, I don't hear anybody who likes the Jets at all. It's all Belichick is going to roll over the Jets like he's been doing for many, many years. Well, why is it one and a half? The over-under is interesting. 30 and a half. Like I said, though, everyone penciling in the Pats in what could be Belichick's last game. Uh, I'm going to stick with the under. It's 30 and a half, and I don't actually think it's low enough. Two teams, fifth and sixth in total defense. And when we're looking at Bailey Zappi and Boyle or Simeon, who cares? Uh, what, I only see like a 96% chance of precipitation, but they're going to run the ball. If there's mistakes, they're minimized. We could be looking, Bri, at a 7-3 final. Honestly, I would jump on adjusted unders here. Under 12 and a half, that might be a little drastic. But at 17 to 1, you can go up the ladder a little bit, but could be an ugly one. I'm taking the under. That's very, yeah, that's very possible. I mean, you could see one of these teams, you know, with three points, six points, but I do love the Pats here in this, in this spot. I, I am a little worried that everybody does like them, but one and a half seems way too low here. Pats have won 15 straight against the Jets. There is no way Belichick cares about more about a better draft pick, right, than beating the Jets in this game. So mm -hmm. it's like Belichick or Saw, like, hmm, like who should I take in this one? But the Jets, haven't played a they played one good game against the Texans since week eight go back and look they've been awful in general yeah. the Pats though have had a tough schedule and yet they played well in their last four games so I think I think Bill definitely wants this game they win they cover this one and a half so 
Yeah, that bill does. The one we work for doesn't. I, I love it. I love these Pats fans scrambling, pretending to think they know what they want and a draft pick or Bill loses or Bill wins. It's a different kind of Pats fever. Very enjoyable. I really hope it works out for them all. Such good people. Uh, all right, Detroit, three and a half, 45 and a half versus Minnesota. And Wager Rager, I gave out Detroit's team total over. I don't know. A lot of people saw some controversy in that game against the Cowboys. I didn't. I don't know. I took it. Took it. I thought it was a good game. Really just start to finish. No bones about it. Lions really, though, nothing to play for if Dallas wins. If Dallas loses, they could jump. I know they can get like a two in there. Uh, that's the only hope of grabbing a two seed if Dallas is a two-touchdown favorite, loses to Washington. Um, Vikings going back to Nick Mullins. Um, they win Seattle and Green Bay lose and then New Orleans or Tampa Bay lose. It's like a 30-to-1 odds thing. I, I mapped it out for the Vikings to make the playoffs. So uh, I don't love this game other than a prop I saw. We talked about some of those incentives. Jameer Gibbs, 85 or more rushing yards, which would get him to 1,000, plus 260. It's a FanDuel special. It's out early in the week. I really like it. He had 80 versus the Vikings. He had 100 versus the Broncos. 152 against your hideous Raiders, Bry. Mm. He said in September his goal is 1,000 yards. Why am I getting plus 260 for 85 plus if that's his goal and they know about it, right? That's my pick. Yeah, that's a pretty good one, Sal. I, I like that a lot too here, but I'm going to take the lines. I, I do... I, think the line is a little bit low and look the lions they do have an unlikely shot to to get the two seed and the reason look they're going to be playing all out here because i will say it's a one o'clock game right mm-hmm. before the eagles and the giants game so they right. they need to play hard in this one even though regardless right uh, the cowboys are likely going to win but i think after what happened last week i think campbell is going to want some momentum going into the playoffs he's that type of coach right he's not going to lay down here and the lines They've responded well. They're 4-0 against the spread after a loss this season. And look, the Vikings, they've stunk. They've dropped five of six. There's a 90% chance they will replace their QB at some point during this game. <laughs> so I'm going to go lines in the in the three and a half here. And, and maybe I would do a Vikings QB under prop if they Ooh, even have good. them out there, even if they, if they have them. Yeah, go for a lot of those unders. Aside from the incentive guys, I bet there's a bunch of players who are only going a half, three quarters or something, so the unders might be good. All right, speaking of half, Brian, we've hit halftime. We've got to take a quick break, but we've still got the rest of the Week 18 slate to get to, including that AFC East showdown between the Bills and Dolphins Sunday night. Plus, later on, Joel McHale gets us ready for the national championship between Michigan and Washington. Does he have a special motivational message for his Huskies? You're damn right he does, and I promise you it's outstanding. All that when Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend returns. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. We're running down all the Week 18 action with someone who didn't appear on the injury report this season, despite tons of lower back pain and let's call it a bad food poisoning experience in Vegas in January. Brother Bry is here. Bry, this is the anniversary, basically, this week of our last trip to Vegas coming up. We have to... Go back soon or, or never return again. I think one of those yeah, two, right? I would say after that week last year, never return. Never That's return. it, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> Harry with this food. He's he's serving people this poison stuff. We'll get I don't sure. wanna I don't wanna slander anyone. Uh, all right, listen, let's pick back up. I think we're in the late afternoon slate, the Sunday games. This is a good one. Green Bay and Chicago. They call this the greatest rivalry in football. Um, I don't remember in the last like half century. Like the, I, I think the only one that meant anything in this rivalry was uh, that NFC Championship game. Cutler got hurt. It featured Caleb Haney. Uh, anyway, coming up Sunday afternoon, Green Bay's a three-point favorite, 44 and a half 
versus Chicago. I think this rivalry has a shot to pick up. Green Bay wins their in, but it's not going to be easy. In fact, I predict it's not going to happen. I'm taking the Bears plus three, similar to week 18 last year, how Detroit played spoiler in Lambeau against uh, that fraudulent quarterback with the fake that fake brain dead hero i forget you remember that right anyway the bears have lost nine in a row i think they are going to play spoiler justin fields said line in a row to green bay they said all the right things brian i don't know if you saw the press conference he said um the fans are going to be loud and because there's nothing else to do in green bay he's like that's a guy who wants to be quarterback of the bears forever he gets it well played good job by you justin bears 27 or more in three of the last four Five and one against the spread in their last six. Meanwhile, Packers one and four against the spread in their last five as a favorite. The Bears pull off the upset 23-21. What you got? So I like the Bears here too. All of a sudden, right, the Bears have become a fun team to watch, right? They've dominated three of their last four, and they really, they should have won five straight. They should have won that Browns game too. And in that five-game span, they're only giving up 15 points per game. You got Herbert running the ball really well the last two weeks. And this Packers team, they looked great against the Vikings, but they weren't they weren't very good the three weeks prior to that. So mm-hmm. I like the Bears to keep this one close and potentially I might have a little bit on the money line here as well. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Like if Fields wasn't out those three weeks, if they had scratched out a win somewhere in there, this could have been a game for the playoffs. And this yeah, is a I team wish. you don't want to play. It's similar to the Rams. I'm like, uh-oh, they're kind of getting it all together. Uh, let's skip them in round one. All right. My team now, Bri. Cowboys, 13.5-point favorite at Washington. Listen, I'm just going to close my eyes and hope what's supposed to happen actually happens in this game. Things were looking miserable for my Cowboys as far as winning the division went. And now, if they beat Washington, who with a loss gets the number two pick in the draft, and they get the NFC East and the two seed is all theirs, could rowboat Ron, let me just ask you first, could he pull a Lovey Smith? And keep his guys in and keep this game close until the end and, and give uh, Cowboys fans a heart attack. Uh, no, the answer is no. To okay, that one, so. good. All right, I like that. You said that's a good answer. I'm going to lay the 13 and a half. I tend to agree with you here. They already won this game. The first matchup was 45-10 on Thanksgiving. They're playing into the Achilles heel of this Washington team. They can't keep Howell or Brissett. This week's going to be Howell upright. Four sacks on Thanksgiving. He's the most sacked quarterback in the league. They've gotten smacked around six losses, Bri, by a dozen or more. They're not going to compete in this game. I know I'm setting myself up for a hilarious result, but I'm going to go 35-16. How about them Cowboys? You're playing it a different way. 35-16. I like that. Yeah, I got the Cowboys over 29.5. I will say, Sal, if they don't look good in this game, they're going nowhere in the playoffs here. No, well, they, they, even so, they might go nowhere, but yeah. I know <laughs> Washington 0-3-1 as a home underdog. Lost six straight at home by an average of 20 points. And and the commanders are starting Howell still, which means they are in full tank mode, right? Mm. Cowboys playing for the two seed and a great shot to get to the NFC Championship. Like you said, they beat this team by 35 in Thanksgiving. The Cowboys, no, offensively, though, they've been, besides Lamb, they've been a little bit out of rhythm, though, recently. They need to get their offense back in gear before the playoffs. I, I have this game 38 to 13, so... You know, I shouldn't even worry because Jimmy Johnson lifted the curse. We had the, how about that Cowboys? <laughs> the one where it counted when he got in the ring of, you know, honor. And then whatever people say that the refs took over the Lions game and all of a sudden good things happened. The Cardinals beat the Eagles. None of this was supposed to happen. It did. We are where we are. So thanks, Jimmy Johnson. We don't have to worry about a thing anymore. 
All right, let's go over this. I can't believe this doesn't matter to the Cowboys. Philadelphia, well, I guess it could matter if they lost, but Philadelphia, five and a half point favorite at the Giants, 41 and a half is the over under. The Eagles defense has become really bad. I mean, you look at Bradbury, he's, I think, rated as the worst cornerback in the league. This wasn't supposed to happen the year after the Super Bowl. They kept all, pretty much all their guys. It was like annoying, actually, to see their re signings. And all of a sudden, the gritty Giants may expose that defense. But Philly needs still to play and scoreboard watch. And that's why I think uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to worry about the spread. There could be a backdoor cover. I'm taking the Eagles over 23 and a half team points here i think they score maybe they walk their starters off the field late but that offense puts up numbers bottom five defense in new york eagles have scored 64 as bad as they are they've scored 64 in the last two games including 33 christmas day versus the giants aj brown i guess it's a locker room disturbance whatever's going on he and hurts get it together in week 18 i know there's supposed to be baddish weather you're right there brian but i'm still saying there's gonna be scoring 27 24 let's put that as the final yeah, I really like the Giants, though, in this spot, getting the five and a half. And while the Eagles are potentially playing for the two seed, they must know in the back of their minds, right, the Cowboys are likely taking it. So they're, they're going to be scoreboard watching. And the minute the Cowboys go up big, you'll see a lot of these Eagles guys come out because they, they need some rest at this point in time. The Giants could have won that game against the Rams last week. They probably should have won late. They are 4-2-1 and one as a home dog. Uh, and teams, look, have just been able to run the ball against the Eagles. Uh, Tyrod Taylor should have a, a pretty decent game in this one. And I think Dable's going to want to end this on a positive note here. So I'm taking the five and a half. And like you said, with the weather conditions here, I think they're able to keep this one close. All right. I did something stupid then. I mean, why am I taking Philly? Taking their players? Maybe I should go Philly first half over. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. We okay. have the graphic made. Let's just keep it. Uh, <laughs> Vegas, two and a half point favorite at home, 38 and a half. It's the over-under against Denver. Week one, Brian. These teams play week one and week 18. Is that what it was? Yeah, uh, that makes no sense. Jimmy G versus Russ. Very, very different. Seems like five years ago. Both offenses played poorly last week. Denver won a lousy game against Easton Stick and the Chargers. Your team covered miraculously against the Colts. Uh, I, they went for it on second down. That's an inside joke because they were kicking on fourth down <laughs> the entire game. I can't figure it out. So I'm going to take Jared Stidham and the other dog Broncos plus two and a half. The only reason I bring this game up is because I want to know what your thoughts are on Antonio Pierce, if they should keep him around. You're a big lifelong Raiders fan. Boner Jackson's is the name of your fantasy team. They keeping Pierce next year. I mean, you're taking the Raiders. So it suggests that you might think they are. Well, I think they might bring him back. Look, unless unless they want to play pay Harbaugh $25 million a year, and now you're paying three coaches probably a combined $45 million. That seems like a lot for Mark Davis that doesn't have a lot of money. But I I do like the Raiders in this game, minus two and a half. I kind of really like them. Look, they're 5-2-1 and one against the spread at home. They're currently sitting. This is why I like them. They're currently sitting as the 11th pick in the draft, which means the Raiders will do their best to drop a few spots in the draft. <laughs> and like, you know, Pierce obviously playing for his, potentially for his job. The players know that. Regardless though, I will say the players really like him. They respect him. They're going to play super hard in this one. And look, the Raiders have won seven straight against the Broncos and nine of 10. So mm-hmm. the benching of Russ doesn't necessarily mean that Peyton is tanking, but I don't think they mind losing a game and jumping up a few spots in the draft. So Raiders cover here, Sal. So All right. Matter. I'll be very excited for you if they do. That's good. And uh, <laughs> you'll, 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 you'll uh, hate every, what was the worst loss this year? 
Vikings, I guess. Three nothing. Yeah, that that Vikings loss was bad. Uh, We've had bad ones. That was the worst. Yeah, you were right yeah. there for the playoffs. Look at that. Yeah. All right, Buffalo and Miami. This is the main event. This is going to be on NBC. Collinsworth, Tariko, Buffalo, a three-point favorite. Forty-nine and a half is the over/under. They beat them up. They look great against Miami early in the year. That was in Buffalo, and now is the rematch. And the Bills need to win. As far as we know, they need to win. It's weird. They're, if they win, they're a two-seed in the division champs. If Miami wins, they're a two-seed. But if the Bills lose, they could be out. If Jacksonville and Pittsburgh win, they're done with a loss. That's why you might see this tick up to four if those two results hold, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville winning. Um, but I got to say, I think it's too easy to take Buffalo here. I'm in the minority. I think this is a little rat line-ish to take him minus three and walk away with a win when they need it so much. I'm going to take Miami first half plus one and a half. I think that's minus 105. Don't forget, Buffalo was miserable in the first half last week. Another must-win game against New England. New England had four turnovers, and they barely escaped with a lead in the first half, Buffalo. Uh, I don't know. I think Miami goes to the locker room 10-10. Uh, and I'm a winner because I'm getting points in the first half. I just don't think McDaniel wants to have back-to-back clunkers heading into wild card weekend. I'm taking the point and a half in the first half. But you're going Bills. Look, Bill, I'm going Bills, and I love that. I love them. I'm probably going to put a lot on the money Uh-oh. line. I I think if you're playing it the right way, though. I think if they if it's close, it's going to be close early in this game. I could see the Bills taking off a little bit later here. But please, Steelers. Jaguars win your games. I, I think you're right, Sal. I think this goes up to like at least four and a half here if those two teams win just because it means that much more for this team. But the Dolphins have been beat up for weeks now. It really showed against the Ravens. Now they're without Chubb. Guys like Howard, Waddle, Mostert, you don't know if they're playing. Like all their linebackers are hurt. Their linemen are still battling injuries. So I think for the Dolphins right now, health is most important right? They can't withstand another really tough physical game for four quarters here. Mm. So you could potentially see a short leash if this gets out of hand early here. So Bills just have a lot more to play for in this game. I think the Bills cover the three. So this is going to suck though if Jaguars lose, right? Like this game's going to be right. And then the Bills yeah. are in. They're both I don't in. know why, for whatever reason, I'm kind of even in that scenario, really? I feel like the Bills are just going to be playing this game harder. All right. Yep. All right, it's a tough one. Hey, uh, I will say Tyreek Hill is looking at his plus 250 to win Offensive Player of the Year. Does he get back in the conversation? And McCaffrey's sitting week 18. What does he have to do to get it? If he scores like three touchdowns this game, is it? How, is many, it, how many does it need to 2,000? He needs. Uh, oh, I don't think he can get there. I think yeah, he needs like, he needs like 300. <laughs> yeah, 300. Yeah. So if he gets there, may, if he gets there, maybe. I think McCaffrey probably right now has locked it up since he's. Yeah, been banged up a little bit. All right, so yards more than touchdowns. All right, let's do it. Monday night, Michigan, Washington. We gave some prop picks out on against all odds. Michigan is a four and a half point favorite. Fifty six and a half is the over under championship game. You know, at first glance, Bry, after having watched really almost all the games that these two teams have played, I think the four and a half is too much. I really do. I think that number represents the jersey and the history of the of the Wolverines, and it's not indicative of what we've seen on the field versus the given competition. Uh, I'm taking Washington plus the points. I mean, if your analysis is Washington keeps winning one-score games, uh, just go with it. If it was freezing every day in December, you're like, I'm not wearing a coat. It's been freezing every day in December. Like, that doesn't make sense. I'm taking the four and a half. I'm going to point to the fact that Penix has been outstanding. He's got the help from the big three receivers. I did give out on Dunze. He has 13 touchdowns to score one at even odds. Corum's going to have his runs in there. But if they play 
10 times, Bri, I see Washington getting blown out once or twice. Honestly, give me the points and what I think is going to be a terrific title game, 26-24. 26-24, I like that, Sal. That, fit, that fits. I like Washington too big in, the, in this game, Sal. I think four and a half is way too much, but I'm taking the under 56 and a half. You know, Michigan defense, even though I, I like Washington here, Michigan's defense is just going to present a lot more challenges than they faced all season, right? Michigan, mm-hmm. the most points they've given up this year is 24. I I think Michigan's going to control the, the time of possession. They're going to run the ball a ton here. And in the Texas game, Washington's defense showed some holes against the run here. So I think Michigan runs and runs and runs here. And then on the other hand, I think Washington is healthier on defense now. They make enough stops when they need to. And, you know, that Texas game was just a lot more wide open than this game is going to be here. The, the pace may pick up late, but I think this starts a little slow, this game. And I think this goes under the 56 and a half. All right. Bryce, so I can't interest you in a Harbaugh-Harbaugh championship parlay, can I? Pace 581. No. And the sad thing is, look, I've grown up my whole life. I've been a Michigan fan. You have, now. right? Yeah, I have. I have. I, I just right. think Washington keeps this one close. Well, you're going to change things up, man. I'll have to think of another birthday gift for you. Send out your Amazon wish list for this weekend, will you? You did make that easier on people. <laughs> Good, uh, My Amazon wish list is really bad, probably. <laughs> I'd love to see it. You can follow Bry on X at the brother Bry. Apologies to all the other brothers named Brian out there, but he had it first, so you'll have to change your name. After the break, we got comedian, actor, former Washington walk-on, Joel McHale joining us. He'll share his memories of being on the Huskies 93 Rose Bowl team. And will he give up French fries for a national championship? We find out that's next on Cousin Sal's Win Weekend. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Let's bring in our guest, a very, very funny human being. His career has gone from walk-on to stand-up. Yes, he was a member of the Washington Huskies 1993 Rose Bowl team and since then has appeared or hosted nearly every single show that appears on your television, including Animal Control Season 2, March 6th, premiere on Fox. Our good pal, Joel McHale, is here. What's happening, Joel? Sal, thank you for having me. And holy crap, you have an ugly hat. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I'm wearing the Oregon hat. And I was going to say, this is bittersweet having you on. My son attends the University of Oregon, and you're obviously a huge Huskies fan. You played for them. We're not going to get into uh, We'll get into that a little later. But I was thinking about it from a fan experience. This has to be the most exciting season college football rooting wise and modern memory. I mean, for any team, any fan, every game is one score for you guys. Every game comes down to the wire. I got to say that the win last week against Texas was, I burst out crying because I thought we were winning. And then I was like, Oh, this is, this is not happening. And now it's going to happen. But Oh my gosh, I had to, I hugged my three dogs for about, 15 minutes after from post-traumatic stress. This is a revenge game of that 93 Rose Bowl, Michigan-Washington, right? What do you remember from that game? I mean, you were part of the tip. From what I remember you telling me, you redshirted, right? And you sat in the yeah. stands. I sat what in the stands yeah, uh-huh. in that game. I, do, I remember Pauline and Kaufman getting from behind taken down. And I remember like, I was like, the Pauline's the fastest person on the planet at this point. He's running a 4-2 flat 40-yard dash. And he got run down from behind. And I was like, oh, no, this might not go great. Well, listen, I was wondering what you would do in exchange for a Huskies title and what you would be game for. And so I put together this list. And basically, can I run a few of these by you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
And basically how it goes is if you do this, they win. If you don't, they lose. And everybody knows it's your fault. Okay. Okay. So we'll okay. start off easy. Would you forego eating French fries for the rest of 2024? Well, I forego them now because, uh, uh, you know, because I'm terribly concerned about my figure. So okay. that's easy. <laughs> All right. This is a little tougher. Your children for the rest of the year refer to you as Father Kanye. In public? Whenever they have to address you. Yeah. I'm going to say Yes. And then every time they say it, I'd be like, it's Father Kane. It's an Irish name. So let's okay. it's weird because it would be a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old. Right. But yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah, I'm in. All right. Um, Ken Jong is your actual doctor for the next decade. Ooh, that's good. I mean, you're taking care of yourself. You're not eating French fries. You may not need a lot of care in the uh, next 10 Can years. Can I say but... pass and cut and and, and sure. tell and circle back around all right this would be funny if this is the one only one you passed on um once a month you need to chew a piece of gum off the world famous gum wall in seattle would ken be my doctor <laughs> if i do the ken thing uh yes i would eat would i get to select the piece of gum sure yeah i mean there's so much to choose from yeah yeah i would just prepare with antibiotics beforehand yeah that's fine it is okay. the most, uh, only in Seattle would we have uh, the most disgusting tourist uh, attraction <laughs> on right. the planet, only in Seattle. All right, this is a tough one. I think the toughest of all. Seattle never gets a basketball team as long as you are alive. I know, I know, I had to do it to you. No, I, I won't do that. Oh, we found it. What kind of fan are you? What kind of Huskies uh, fan are you? Look, the, the, the Seattle Supersonics. Look, it, I I hear it now. You're saying that, Gar that the Huskies guaranteed to lose, or this is just a guaranteed win? No, if, the Huskies lose. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter how they play. So now, if it's that one, yeah, I would take Ken as my doctor, even though it would be wildly irresponsible. All right. Well, so this might be too easy the thing to ask you here. Plus four and a half. Washington, is that the good pick? Or do you, you want to consult with Dean or you're signing off? No, on I think he, I think, you know, I'm going to say Huskies by 90. Uh, but I will always say that. And I, I, I think they have a, uh, found a way to win. Before we go, I'm going to give you that opportunity to give the Huskies a quick pep talk. Maybe I'll send it to Coach DeBear and ask that they play it right before kickoff. Hey, Huskies, uh, it's me, one of the worst players ever to be on the team. Joel McHale, I know you don't know who that is. I'm a very old man now. I know that your parents and grandparents probably enjoyed something that I did way back when. But that all said, uh, you are the best team we've ever had, and I was close to that other team. Well, you're right up there with the 90-91 team, so prove us here. Prove now, and you don't have to, now we don't have to do any sharing the national championships. We don't have to do any of that. So here we go, Huskies. You are 14-0. And now let's get to 15 and 0. One more big game. The Natty. Here you go, guys. Run out there. Tear the doors off the place. Purple and gold all the way. Go, Thank you. Thank you. No, no. Wow. 
That yeah. is spectacular. I know you said 90. If they don't win by like 120 now, I think it's a, a little bit yeah. of a letdown. Joel, thanks so much for being here. Plus four and a half. Good luck. I'm pulling for your Huskies. Go get them. Thank you. And I know as you being an Oregon fan, that is saying a lot. So if this you guys get in this situation, I'll be rooting for you guys. Okay, good. I'm going to hold you to it. We'll be right back to wrap and things I'll, up. Oh, and I'll get an Oregon <laughs> yeah. hat that fits your head. Great. Oh, good, good. Because right. it sounds winning weekend. Stick around. All right, that's about it for Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Oh, there is one more thing. I owe you a same-game parlay. Colts, Texans, Saturday night. Winner is in, and that winner is the Indianapolis Colts. Take them plus a point and a half. The adjusted over in the game, take that over 35 and a half. And Jonathan Taylor to go nuts. Look it up. He owns this team, and he doesn't even throw drinks at their fans. 90-plus yards and a touchdown. Pays close to 4-1. to one. Get that done at FanDuel. It'll be the best thing you've done all year. My thanks to Animal Control's Joel McHale, as well as a human out of control, birthday boy himself, brother Bry. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening, and please remember, you may feel like underdogs, just know you're all my favorites. Happy Handicap!